How can we have more spontaneous gospel discussions at home? Is it important to have discussions outside of sit-down lessons? How do we overcome any challenges associated with that? And what can I do to help my family feel more comfortable opening up and sharing their thoughts and insights? That's what we want to talk about in today's episode. Welcome to the My Teaching Matters podcast, where our mission is to help you, the intentional parent, to teach your children in such a way that they can personally experience the power of Jesus Christ while still at home. everybody. My name is Lindsay Jensen, and I'm here with my mom and my co-host, Leslie Johnson. Hey, everybody. So today, I'm actually um, going to put this on you, Lindsay, and ask you, what is our question of the week? You had a great question this week, and I thought you could introduce it for us. Yeah, the question is, what is keeping us from having more gospel experiences and discussions with our family outside of sit-down lessons? Um, Right. I was just thinking about this and reflecting on how much more. Come Follow Me is not supposed to be just about the sit-down lesson and talk with your family about church and uh, and family home meeting and stuff. And while that's important, um, it's supposed to change us, right? It's supposed to change who we are. And in order, and I feel like that manifests itself when we start, ha- you know, having these discussions, having these experiences outside of just the lesson. And so I was just reflecting and trying to understand maybe why that's so hard for some of us. Um, and I'd say, even though I've gotten a lot better at it, like that's something I'm always working on becoming better at, right? And so, so, so I, I was trying to figure this out, and I actually ended up ask, asking it in a couple different Facebook groups. Um, you know, why people thought that they were having trouble having more gospel experiences and discussions with their family outside of sit-down lessons, and we got some really interesting comments. Um, Mom, I think you kind of lumped them up. What did you, what did you discover? Yeah. So. Um I just want to uh, reiterate that, that I really think that this is an important question because um, in my experience in talking with some mothers, they know that it's important to have these gospel discussions or to capitalize on experiences that happen throughout the day or the weeks, and, but they don't know how to do it. They're like, how do I, how do, I do that? I just, I'm just not getting it. And so I think it's an important thing to to look at. And and as we asked that question, we came up with basically four different groups of areas or of barriers that are keeping us from from doing that. Um the first is that we're just not in the habit of discussing gospel principles throughout the day. It's just kind of tradition has been that we talk about gospel things um when we have our Sunday school lessons or our family home evening lessons, but we aren't in the uh, habit of naturally bringing that up in our natural conversation. So that was one of them. So mom, I'll just talk about that briefly. And I mean, that's, that became clearer to me when president Nelson asked us to read the book of Mormon Mm -hmm. during the three months, right? Right before we started come follow me. Right. And, he said to be more intentional about talking to your children and your family and others about what you've learned and about talking of Christ. And it was really interesting to me when I did that, how hard it was for me or how much, how much more I was able to, to do it when I was thinking about it. Right. I just hadn't thought about it very much before that. 
Right, right. And so that's one of the, the barriers is that we just aren't in the habit of doing it. Um, the second barrier that, that uh, was kind of a common theme was that um, we have this fear of 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 being vulnerable of sharing that the we're nervous that if we try to you know share a gospel topic we might get knocked down or that um it won't be accepted or so there's this kind of this barrier of of fear that says you know can i really bring this up in our daily conversations um in a natural way or are people going to look at me and or you know my family going to think i'm crazy with the way i'm doing it i there's there's a little bit of a fear factor there um, another big one was that maybe a little bit more goes along with maybe a habit. Um, but we're just distracted. Our, our lives are overscheduled. We're busy. We're, um, in the mire of, of, of living life with our young children. And it's, it's a busy time. And so we just don't think about it. We're just, um, we're just distracted and it's not on the, on the forefront of our minds. Um, and lastly, um, there were several people who commented, you know, I don't feel like I'm prepared to, to take advantage of that. I'm nervous about my own understanding of the gospel. I'm nervous about that. I might not know the scriptures well enough. Um, I, I don't feel comfortable and sharing those kind of experiences because I don't feel like my knowledge is, is deep enough to be able to, to do that. And so, um, what we'd like to do, I think, is just kind of focus on each of these barriers and um, kind of talk about some ways that we can get through those. And I think this is going to be a two-part series. I don't think we can get through all of this um, in the amount of time that, that we have for just one one podcast. So I think today we're going to focus on two of the barriers, um, and that is going to be on, on this idea of... Um, gospel conversation not being a habit. And secondly, um, how we can deal with that idea of, of being a little fearful or hesitant to, to open up or to share some of our experiences. I love it. That's great. Um, so, so what do you think then? Why, how can we make it more of a habit when we're struggling to share gospel experiences with other people or have those discussions? What can we do to make that more of a habit? Yeah, so that is that's the key, right? I mean, we know we're supposed to do it, but how do we how do we get there? That's the that's the real key. So, number 1, I think that we have to first of all, we just have to recognize that it's important. Like you said when when you were given that challenge by President Nelson, you you recognize that and you try to make an effort to uh, share more. And so, um I think that that's the number one step is to recognize that this is something that we need to work on and that we want to create um, a culture of conversation. So for me, um, I am more of an introvert. I would rather listen than talk. And um, But over the course of my life, I've recognized that um, this is something that's important and I need to make an effort to do this. Um, I believe that um, part of this, my biggest, um, the biggest thing that helped me change was the culture of my husband's family. So after um, Brett and I were married, 
I remember going to his home and his home, we were away going to school and he, his home was about four hours away. So we'd leave school at four or five after, you know, after school was done and after we were done with work and it would take us four hours to get there. So we'd arrive at his home like nine o'clock at night. And in my mind, it's about time to be winding down and getting into bed. But I was amazed that every time we would go to Brent's house, we would stay up until midnight or later just talking. And at first I'm like, are you guys crazy? Do you know what time it is? We all need to go to bed. This is just like way too late for me. And I was just amazed that they could sit and just talk and talk and talk for hours. <laughs> and um, I realized that they as a family had created a culture of, of talking, of conversing. It was an art, the art of conversation, and they enjoyed it. And they would talk about everything, everything under the sun. But I found that oftentimes in their discussion of everything, gospel topics would often come up because it was just part of their life. They would talk about um, eternal principles, which had to do with what they were dealing with in life. And so just out of conversation, these conversations came up about the gospel. And it was really, as I began to notice that, I began to uh, see the value of being able to converse and being able to have those conversations. And it became a part of my children's or my family's culture. So, I'm, Lindsay, I'd be interested in hearing some of your thoughts as you grew up in more of that culture than than I did. It wasn't a shock for you because that was what you were you were living in. What? <laughs> why did you? You know, what are your thoughts in this idea of of um, conversation? Yeah. So I remember growing up, and so I'm the oldest grandchild on that side. Actually, you and Dad were the first ones to get married, and um, so when I came along, I was the oldest, and, and I have more cousins soon after. There's lots of lots of cousins. I love anyway. It's such a fun family to be with. Um, but because of that, when we would go home, when we would go to grandpa's house, um, and all my aunts and uncles would sit around the table talking or staying up late talking like that was, I loved being a part of that. I loved just for when I was, I don't remember at what age I started paying attention, but I would just sit and listen. And eventually I remember them like asking my opinion and, or I'd feel comfortable jumping in and being like, well, I think this and, it was really fun. I just, I loved, I love being with that family. And even still to this day, I would say that those conversations around the dinner table, around, you know, just staying in, you know, staying after whatever activity we were doing, we just stay in chat, um, stay up late talking. We'd always, you know, people would often spend the night at grandpa's house because you're going to stay up and talk. And that's part of the fun. Um, and still to that day with this, with that family, I could ask any one of my nine aunts and uncles um, if I could spend the night at their house or like, or just, and we have Scott and I have since getting married. There were, there have been multiple times where we've been traveling through somewhere and be like, Hey, can we stop by and say hi? And in a heartbeat, my aunts and uncles will say yes. And even my cousins, I love talking with my cousins because they have that same, you know, they grew up in that same atmosphere too. And I would say that that culture of, of staying up and talking and, or of, chatting with each other and to having those deep conversations. It did a couple things for me. One, 
it helped me want to know the scriptures better because I would see dad pull out scriptures. Be, they'd be talking about something and he'd be like, well, in Doctrine and Covenants 88, it says this. And I'd be like, whoa, I want to be able to do that. <laughs> right? um, so, so it did that for me. It helped me develop a love for the scriptures and, and a desire to really study and, and understand and memorize scriptures. Um, and it also just created this environment where I felt welcome and loved and I enjoyed being and helped me get to know those people on an intimate level. I know what they believe and what they think and I respect it. And I know that they're going to love me for whatever I believe or think. Um, and we can enjoy being together no matter what. And I can ask them for anything in a heartbeat. Um, and that's meaningful to me. So let me ask you a question, Lindsay. Um, were all, were those conversations, um, what were they like? Where did everybody agree? Did everybody just, you know, have a happy disposition during the whole thing? Or, you know, <laughs> talk a little bit about what that looked like. <laughs> so, uh, no, there's lots of not agreeing. Um, <laughs> one could probably call it disagreeing, but never, never with animosity. Um, just very much of, no, this is, this is what I understand from the scriptures. And then they'd, they'd, they'd expound upon it. And, it, and to me, it means this. And, Someone else would be say, well, I think it means this. And I guess sometimes there's some name calling, but it was always in good, good humor. <laughs> <laughs> How can you think that? <laughs> but, but nobody took it personally. No, it wasn't ever personal. No one ever walked away mad. It was, it was an invigorating conversation. It was a conversation that people disagreed with, but it allowed us to understand the nuances. Right? Scott and I have, have talked about it since because you guys came and visited us a couple of weeks ago. And we did the same thing, right? We stayed up late talking multiple we times. Did. And um, and Scott and I were talking about it and trying to understand what it is that makes that so invigorating and so enjoyable for us. And uh, and he made the comment, you know, a part of it is that what, what you guys are trying to do in those conversations is you're trying to understand the nuances of a question, right? You always ask a question, not expecting a right or wrong answer, but you're trying to, to understand the nuances. So, for example, we, you know, we could talk about prayer. And you could say, well, yeah, God always answers our prayer and you could leave it at that. But, you know, what we would try to do is we would try to say, well, does he always answer our prayer? Why does it feel like he sometimes doesn't answer our prayer? What are the nuances of when he answers prayer or when he doesn't, right? And dad might say something about how, well, I seem to always get an answer when I'm asking about truth. Is something true or not? But I rarely get an answer when I'm asking what to do because God wants me to choose, right? And that would be his experiences with prayer. And th those are nuances that we're trying to kind of understand. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing it does when you, when you have those conversations and people are disagreeing, but you're trying to, that disagreement allows you to understand some of those nuances and understand what's, what's really happening. And um, what that does is it gives me permission to not always know the answers, right? And to be okay with not knowing the answers and to say, I don't know why sometimes I feel like God doesn't answer my prayer. But I know that he has answered my prayers at some time. And that's good enough for me. Right? Or that's, I, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to throw away, say God's not real because he doesn't answer all my prayers. Because I know he has answered them. And I'm just trying to understand his nature better. To know when he answers and when he might not. Or why I feel like he doesn't. And what he's trying to get me to do. Or to understand through this. So right, I think that's really important that um, 
when you talk about you, you felt like you could have those questions and that you weren't being judged and you weren't being shut down and say, you can't think that. What do you mean God might not answer your prayers? You felt like you had room to explore some of those questions and think about them without, um, without the thought that your parents were going to think you had lost your testimony or something like that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And it's, and it, and it really, but it, and instead of losing my testimony, it strengthened it because I started to understand some of those intricacies because God is not a simple person, right? He's not a simple being. God is intricate. He's, he's, he's elegant. He's, he's, he's powerful, all powerful, all knowing, but he's also our father and he wants us to try to understand him, but it's not black and white. No, but the gospel principles are, are simple and we can take those gospel principles and, and hang on to the parts that we understand. And while we're hanging on to those parts that we understand, we can explore some of those parts that we question or we, we don't understand. And that's one of the purposes of, of having these conversations is that, that we can share our experiences that might help somebody else say, Oh no, that's an interesting idea. Um, and we can learn from each other and share with each other our own thoughts and experiences on gospel principles that can help um, kind of help you to be able to to re- refine or fine-tune your own understanding of a principle. Yeah. So, Mom, as you talk about the different steps of creating a culture of communication, the first step is is recognizing that it's important and that you – right? If you – there's no reason to work on this if you don't feel like it's a worthwhile endeavor, right? If you don't right. think having this culture of communicating and of asking questions and talking about hard things is important, then you're not going to do it. And so um, I have found it to be very beneficial. And to me, it's very important. Um, some people might not feel that way, but I would, <laughs> I would kindly, you know, tell them to think Try differently. It. <laughs> but um, well, it's in my opinion, having having grown up in a different kind of of household, not that we didn't converse, but we didn't have these kind of deep uh, conversations about gospel principles or or any kind of principle. Um, it, it's a since I've experienced it, I have seen the fruits, and that is with any principle of the gospel. If you don't know it to be true right now, you have to try it. You have to experience it, and you have to evaluate it, or you will never come to know that it's true. And that, I think, mm. is what we're trying to teach, is that all of these gospel principles, whether it's the idea of conversation or whether it's the idea of, does God answer my prayer, or is it the law of tithing? You have to experience it. You have to reflect on the experience. You have to come to conclusions about what you learned from that experience, and then you act on that experience. That is the learning cycle that helps us change who we are. So if you are interested in seeing the value of having healthy conversations in your home, you have to experience it. So let's talk a little bit about how we can do that because it's not easy. It's it's not for some, it's not natural. Mm -hmm. And they might just need to see it modeled, right? So they might say, you know what? I, I can see how that would be beneficial, but I don't know how to do it. I just need to see how it works so that I can try to implement it myself. Right. Right. So So the first step that we had was, was just recognizing that this is important. What's step number two? Second step I think is just to do it. 
You, you're not going to learn to do it unless you, you do it. So you have to practice. And practicing conversation doesn't always have to be about the gospel. In fact, if you were only to talk about the gospel, it would probably drive your kids away. Um, the art of conversation is not specific only to the gospel. So we can practice conversing with each other on a multiple, multiplicity of topics. And I would encourage you to do that. So one of the easiest ways I believe to do this, in fact, as, as I brought this question up to my own family, it spurred up a, a whole 40, 50 minute conversation that we had around the dinner table. And one of my sons brought up this, uh, the idea. He said, Tyler, he says, you know, mom, I don't think that if you're not having dinner together, you can't have these kind of conversations. Because for our family, so many of our conversations start around the dinner table. As we're sitting there, we're all in one place, we're busy eating, and it's the perfect opportunity to start a conversation. And so my suggestion would be that um, that's where you start. You start by, first of all, okay, I want to see if this will work. I want to experiment upon this. Let's try doing it around mealtime, because mealtime is when hopefully you're having that time to be together. If it's not mealtime, then you need to find another time when you are together that you can have those discussions. And then, and then, you know, if you have to, um, there's activities out there where you can start a conversation. You just pull something out of a, a jar and it will have a topic of conversation and then you practice talking about that. You could start mm-hmm. there. Now, when I suggested that to, to Tyler, he thought that was the most awful thing he'd ever heard because he would rather choose his own topic of conversation, which was also an option when, when COVID hit. And I felt like, um, you know, we were spending all this time together, but we weren't really together. Um, I realized that I wanted to make more of an effort. And so I said, you know what? Before we leave the dinner table, we are either all going to spend 20 minutes playing a little game or an activity or having a discussion. And you can choose which of those things you want to do, but we're going to stay after dinner and we're going to do this together. And it was really fun. I mean, sometimes we played silly little games. Uh, sometimes we had some great discussions. Um, obviously, my my husband would rather have a top, you know, choose a topic for discussion and I would rather play a little game. So it brought some variety to the <laughs> to the evenings. But the point was, is that we were practicing um, being together, conversing, spending time together. Um, and that happened for us happened to be best at the dinner table. So, so practicing is, is step number two is just get in and do it and find a time where you can say, okay, this is, this is the time that we're going to practice this idea. Um, the third step, did you, did you have any comments there on the? No, go ahead. Step? Okay. So the third step, um, that I think is important is that we create a safe environment. And Lindsay, you kind of alluded to this, um, earlier is that y- in the conversations that would be had, um, in the Johnson household, you felt comfortable in, um, sharing your ideas. You also felt comfortable in when they asked for your opinion and, um, so let's talk a little bit about how do you create an environment where people feel comfortable in talking? Because that is not always the case. It's not always um, a, a safe place to 
to share your innermost thoughts or your feelings. Some people are very anxious about doing that. Um, so let me just start with a, a story, an example. Um, when, when Brett and I were, um, well, we weren't that newly married. I guess, Lindsay, you went to, to sc- started school in Boston. We went back to school in Boston. Brent went back to get his master's degree. And we um, went to a ward that was um, all of the married students that were there going to MIT or Harvard or any of those intellectual schools. And um, so we would meet for Sunday school with some really powerful minds. <laughs> and I did not feel like I fit in this group very well. <laughs> but um, we I remember that we had a teacher that I loved when it was her week to teach because she had a way of making people feel like no matter what they said, it was the most important thing that, that could have been said at the moment. And I always remember just feeling so good and feeling like I could actually share a comment or a thought in her class without um, being judged or without feeling like I wasn't smart enough to be there. And some of the things that I learned from her, I think that we could um, learn to use within our own families. So number one, she was really good at listening intently to um your question or your comment. She would look at you. She'd engage. She'd shake her head, nod like, like she understood what you were saying. Um, and as she would do that, I felt like this, this great, I mean, I felt like she was interested in what I was saying. I felt like she loved me. I felt like I was important, all of these things. And so I think that when we want our family to engage with us, that we need to give them and show them that respect. So show them that you're interested in what they have to say by really listening, by commenting. Um, and that was another thing. So like she would, she would ask follow up questions or she would, um, repeat back. So what you're saying is this and she'd put it into her own words. And, um, that would help, you know, engage the conversation and to help people feel included and, um, Sometimes when we are quick to dismiss um, somebody's comment and move on to the next thing too quickly, it's it makes them feel dismissed. It makes them feel like they what they said wasn't important. And so um, asking a follow-up question is a good way to encourage them to continue talking or even better possibly to um, ask another family member to to expound on what they had said, you know, what do you think about uh, Tyler's comment, Lindsay? And, um, you know, try to to get more people involved in the conversation and to validate the, the comment that they have is a really important skill, I think, when we're trying to, to create a culture where people feel safe. Yeah. And, you know, what mom, dad is really good at that. He'll listen yes. and he'll, he'll ask lots of follow-up questions. And whenever he does... Um, you can't help but think, wow, he's, you know, he's paying attention. He's trying to understand my point of view. And that's why mm-hmm. you can, why I think we feel so comfortable. I can feel so comfortable disagreeing with him is because he tries to understand it and he'll, he'll try it on, right? He'll taste what I'm saying and mm-hmm. ask all the questions to really try to understand. And then that allows him to, you know, we can, we can talk about it. It allows us to understand each other better. But, but I love the idea that asking 
follow-up questions. You know, why do you think that? What makes you say that? What, um, what experiences have you had related to that? Why, you know, what, what have you heard that I haven't heard? Um, Mm -hmm. whatever, anyway, any sort of follow-up question that you can ask. Yes, I've been in People realize you're listening. Right. So I've been in some circumstances where, where, um, someone will say, well, you can't believe that, or you don't really believe that, or that's stupid. Um, those kind of comments will shut somebody down really quickly, particularly someone who is young and whose, um, conversational skills are just budding. That's going to shut them down, down really quick. And so, so by, um, encouraging them, by encouraging them to, to talk more or to explain more or to expound on what they've said can really um, give them confidence to continue to share. And I would say that the goal is not just part of the goal is to give them confidence to share. That's a big part of it. But part of it too, is that by encouraging them talking, it allows them to articulate their ideas and it cements the ideas in their mind. Right. So Mm -hmm. I might not fully know what I want to say, but when that asks me more questions or you ask me more questions, then I start to understand what it is, right? It, it kind of formulates and, and cements in my idea, my mind what it is that I, I care about. And so, you know, instead of saying, you don't actually believe that, if you ask a follow-up question about it, then it allows me to, to maybe backtrack or to, to think, you know, do I really believe this? Why do I believe that? And share my experiences and, and maybe fine-tune it a little bit um, instead of exactly. just shutting down. Exactly. Um, okay, so another thing that, that we can do in our families is to, to ask our children for their opinion. Um, you'll be really surprised at, at what, what your kids have to offer. Sometimes they won't naturally offer their opinion, but when asked, they will share. They'll, the, they will have something to say. Even little kids, um, can be asked their opinion. And, um, when you ask, so like Lindsay, you made the comment that, that when one of your aunts or uncles or, or grandparents would ask your opinion, you, you're like, wow, they, I, I am valued in being in this conversation. They want to know what I'm thinking. And that goes a long ways in helping you um, want to do well, that I again. I still remember right? it, right? I still yeah. remember it. And that in and of itself is key that, that it was meaningful and impactful to me. Right. So, so even with young kids, um, as you're teaching a principal, I don't know, Lindsay, if you have an experience that you could share or not about with, with your kids and just, you know, asking them what their thoughts are, asking a question and letting them come up with their own answer. Yeah. Well, my kids, I know that they appreciate it. They, um, they're still young enough that it's kind of hard. I mean, the discussions are different, right? It's not a good invigorating discussion necessarily for me because lots of the things that they're talking about, I've. I've already learned, but, um, but when I ask them what they think, or I ask their opinion, I think it goes back to the idea of it cements things in their mind and it helps them feel valued and they can enjoy that, right? It's fun watching my oldest Evelyn is starting to pay attention to mine and Scott's conversation. So at the dinner table, Scott and I might be talking about something and, and she'll ask a question. I know she's paying attention, right? And so then we can mm-hmm. start to ask her questions related to it. And she she loves that. Um, yeah, so it's just fun. Right. Good. Okay, so um, another thing that, that can help is that as we show this interest, that we also um, express gratitude for their input. So, so by saying, you know, I really appreciate that you would share that, or that's a great comment. Um, thanks for sharing that with us. 
um, you know, even even little kids as they share their comments. So I, I remember one example. Um, we were having a conversation with a group of youth. And um, so it was like 12 to 18 or something. And one of the young, we were talking about answers to prayer. And, um, you know, the adults were talking about all these answers of prayers that they had had for, you know, their job or their, uh, what to do with their family or, you know, some real meaningful, important answers to prayers. And this little barely 12 year old shares her important story about how her little kitten had ran away and she felt so sad. And she prayed that Heavenly Father would help her find her kitten. And then the next day, her grandma brought her a new kitten and that helped her know that Heavenly Father loved her and heard her prayers. Okay, so in the grand scheme of things, to to get a little kitten is not that important in in as I think some of us would say, but to that 12-year-old it was important and that recognizing that God loved her and would answer her prayers about a little kitten was appropriate for the level that she was on. And I think that even though that story wasn't as powerful to me as some of the other stories about how somebody had gotten answered a prayer about where they should be living or where they should be working, um, I think it's important that we don't discount that and say, you know what, that is a really neat story. Thank you for sharing that. And allow them to express whatever it is that's on their level and encourage them in that and not expect them to necessarily be able to um, talk on, on your level. They haven't had those kind of experiences yet. But even with little kids, as they share things, as they comment, encourage them. I really appreciate you sharing that with us. That's a neat story. Um, I think that that's an important part of, of making that culture, um, one that they're willing to talk in. Yeah. So mom, as you're talking, I have, I'm starting to understand that there's, there's really two, two things you have to pay attention to, to this, right? One is having conversations, being the, the conversation starter, all right? Being, wanting to have that conversation. Yep. Um, but the other part too, is that if your family's not used to having these conversations, you can't just jump in and expect them to participate either, right? It's kind of a two-way right. street. You have to, you have to be initiating it. You have to be interested in it, but they have to as well, or else it's going to fall flat, right? So, mm-hmm. um, do you have thoughts on that, or or do we just do you just say be patient with as you practice? Realize I, that they're on this journey, learning how to respond as well. Right. I think it's a little bit of both. You have to continue to practice. But that's why I I would say talk about things that are interesting to you or talk about things that are interesting to your child. I mean, if your child uh, finds a bug outside and comes inside to show you the great, great caterpillar that they found, stop, take a moment to communicate with that child and to say, you know what, that's really cool. Isn't that neat that Heavenly Father made all of these things, even caterpillars? You know, and, 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 well, and then you can ask them questions about, you know, where did you find that caterpillar and mm-hmm. let them tell you more of that story, right? Let right. them, you know, what does it look like? What other things were around it? Because they're obviously doing something. And so getting them to talk and to tell you and to communicate with you, there is key. 
Right. And and so these little tips, it doesn't matter what you're conversing about, but but you just have to continue practicing. And it's easy as a mother, you're busy making dinner and, she, and your daughter's bringing you in this caterpillar that she finds. And the last thing you want to, to do is to take time to talk about some stupid caterpillar, right? But we have to recognize that that is an important part of their development. And so we need to figure out how we can take just a moment, validate their initiation at conversation and help them grow more comfortable in wanting to share their thoughts and their ideas, their experiences, because as they get older, it's going to become more and more difficult for them to open up if we have not done that with them when they were little. Mm. So that's an important, important thing is that number one, it doesn't always have to be about the gospel. Start by just talking about things that are interesting to your child or interesting to you that you can share with your child, being conscientious of the fact that I need to take opportunities to do this. Um, and then just continue on. It's, it's not a sprint. It's a, it's a marathon. It's a lifelong journey. I'm still working at it. Uh, you know, you've talked a lot about how good uh, your dad is at it and he is, and I will, you know, I will continue to, to strive to be as good as dad is at, <laughs> clearing on conversations and asking questions that I don't know that I'll ever get there. But but God's not worried about our end result. He's worried about our effort in trying to become better. And so don't let the difficulty and don't let the bad times stop you from continuing to try, because that's what Heavenly Father wants, is for us to try and to put forth the effort. I love that, Mom. So so that was kind of the overview of, you know, helping develop the habit, the practice. And we talked, maybe not explicitly, but we talked also about, you know, the fear of being hurt or um, by being vulnerable, right? Mm-hmm. And we talked about how how you can create that environment where you don't have to feel that way, right? You shouldn't have to feel that way with your with your children. You want to create an environment where they where they feel comfortable sharing. Is there anything else you want to add to that, or? No, I think that's, I think that those are the most important things that we need to just, um, number one, we have to be conscientious and we have to choose, um, to communicate. We have to be intentional in practicing our communication. And then the second is just to continue to practice, um, you know, just small chunks. It doesn't have to be long, hour long discussions, just small little moments where we intentionally practice communicating, um, the third is to practice creating a safe environment so our kids want to share. Um, and remember that whether we, what we do or what we don't do is interpreted by our kids. So when we do take the opportunity to let them share, that teaches them that I can talk to my parents. When we say, I can't talk now, I'm busy making dinner, you're just going to have to take that caterpillar back outside. You are teaching them that they, that you're not interested in what they have to share. And I'm not saying that you need to all the time listen to what they have. That's, that, uh, that's not possible, but we have to be intentional and we have to make those choices. Is, is now the time that I need to pay attention or is this a time that I need to, to focus on something else, but make those be intentional choices. Yeah. And well, that goes go back ahead. to, to, that goes back to a conversation we had um, a couple weeks ago about, that we should do it most of the time, right? Am I doing it? Right. We don't have to strive for 100%. We 
just most of the time? Is this something that I'm trying to create a habit of and that I do the majority of the time? Right. Right. So I think that's it. Okay. Well, thanks, Mom. Um, so do you have a challenge for us? I do. Um, so this week, my challenge is to find time to have co- a conversation and a regular time. So so if we're focusing on this, for me, it's dinner time. Maybe for you, it's right before the kids go to bed or right when they wake up in the morning, whatever that is. But choose one time that for this week, every day during that time, you're going to focus on having a conversational experience. Um, and then see where that, that takes you. Have that experience yourself. Have that experience for one week. And then I want you to reflect on that. I want you to learn from that. And then I want you to change your actions based upon what you learned from your experience. Good luck. I love that. Thanks so much, mom. We'll talk to everyone next week. Remember that your teaching matters. Bye-bye.